0: I titled the sermon, Pure Love, and uh, we're going to be picking up on the theme that we left off last week when when Peter told us that it is the gospel hope that produces holiness and the connection for us in our lives as we walk in this world and seek to walk in the light, that, that it is indeed hope, the anticipation of all that is promised to us, the realities of our salvation, what is coming. We have a living hope in anticipation of an inheritance that is not in danger or threatened in any way. It's coming to us, and because it's coming to us and our future is secure, we are called now in this place today to live lives of holiness. Well, the theme continues, so hope that leads to holiness. And holiness, you'll see in these verses, unleashes our, our love. So sanctification or the pursuit of holiness, God intends to unleash our love. And uh, this is an interesting connection. I, I learned at, at, at layers and levels of, of practical application things that I hadn't really connected before as I studied these verses this week. And so Let's look in here at verse 22 and just kind of track along the the line of reasoning. Now, if you read these verses at at a first glance, it's very difficult to to kind of track, okay, Peter, what are you saying, and why are you saying it, and how does this connect with this? So what I want to do is put these together, kind of unpack them uh, from the box, and uh, we'll see how then the Lord applies them in our lives. So sanctification unleashes love. Verse 22 Having purified your souls, he says, by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Now, all of these things are leading up to a command, but we're not going to get to the command quite yet. Just hang with me on these first three lines. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. What does that mean? Well, the purification of our souls in connection with the obedience of truth is for the believer a two-part reality, a two-part reality. And I mentioned this last week. Justification is the moment where God has truly sanctified us. He has set us apart for holiness. He has caused us to be righteous in Christ, the righteousness of Christ we share. But in addition to that, the moment that that takes place, we are set on a path then of obedience to God, We are called to go and and be who we are, to be holy as he is holy. So you can see this in two two ways. Positional justification, that's the work of God. He is is alone in that work. He is the one who saves and sanctifies fully, and, and that is a positional reality. We are in Christ because of him, as Peter says. And we are then commanded to be who we are, as it were, to be holy. So that is progressive. So progressive sanctification. Uh, Every believer needs to know that phrase, that term, that theological reality. That is the context of our lives. From the moment we are saved until the moment we pass from this life or our Savior returns. We are in the, the work daily, minute by minute, of progressive sanctification. It is war, as we saw last week. Like This is, this is work. It takes tenacity. It takes uh, effort. And we partner then in the strength of the Lord through His Word with the Holy Spirit in the work of becoming who we are in Christ already. So, it's an amazing thing to see how He puts these things together. Having purified your souls, well, how have we done that? Well, the Lord did that by our obedience to the truth. What is that? Well, the gift of faith. He gave us the faith to trust in Christ as Savior, to turn from our sins, and in that we were set apart for holiness, made pure. And we do that each day as we walk in this life. So we were saved in a moment, and we are, in it, as it were, being sanctified as we obey and partner with the Spirit and then he adds this in, for a sincere brotherly love. So note this. This is not the goal of holiness. Holiness is the goal. Be like Christ, right? Be holy as I am holy. But love is the byproduct. As we become more like Christ, unleashing love just flows. The, the, the Lord will unleash this love We are set free from self, from sin, from it's all about me, and into a love. And the love that we know that just kind of naturally flows is this, what he calls, sincere brotherly love. It's not hypocritical. It's not pretend. It's real. It's what I feel when I'm looking at you people, right? The flock, good shepherd, Bible church, this this is our love. The word he uses here is a familiar word for love in the Greek, it's Philadelphia. Philadelphia. This is brotherly love or affection for fellow believers. This is the love we feel most naturally. It's 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 just kind of it just happens. As we are together around Christ, as we journey together in his word, as we are being made holy by the Lord day by day in obedience to the truth, this happens. Now, it's interesting because it's, it's specifically focused here as love for the brothers. So it's a love among God's people, which is why uh, if you just drop into the city of Philadelphia today, you may indeed find that not everyone is just going to come up and give you a hug and be like, brother, you know. This is set on display when uh, the Philadelphia Eagles are losing, and their own fans are booing their team. Have you seen this? Anyone seen this? I, I always thought that was funny, and they do. I mean, they don't hold back. Like, if, if, the, if the Eagles blow it on the field, the fans will boo. Philadelphia, the, 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 the city of brotherly love. <laughs> this is a love unique to God's people. This is a love stirred deeply among the people of God. And it is the the effect of his word in us, his spirit in us, his work in us as we obey. But that's not all. That's not all. Because Peter goes on. Look at how he finishes this, this line in verse 22. Having purified your souls for obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly phileo, Uh, Philadelphia, love. Then he uses another word. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. That's the command. All of these other things are, are, are things that are taking place in your life that he's seen that take place, but they equip you to do this, this command. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Note the connection here. How the flow unfolds. So two words for love in the Greek text, right next to each other, back-to-back, back, yet different in, uh, in meaning. This word is a familiar word for us as well, the Greek word agape. It is the highest expression of love. Most often it's the love that is referred to as the kind of love God shows us, a chosen, a love of the will. I choose to love you. I love you. I am committed to you. It is a steadfast, abiding, loyal, agape love that overflows to you, regardless of whether it is deserved. Oh, friends, we love because He first loved us. The bar of love, the call of love, the expressions of love that we are to have for one another are all modeled for us in our God. The way He loves us, so also we are to love one another. This points us to the night that Jesus was betrayed. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you, so also you must love one another. So, a love of agape. It's an earnest agape from a pure heart. An earnest love. What does that mean? To love someone earnestly. Well, there's intensity in that word. Sincerity in that word. This is a real, deep, uh, true, but impassioned love. Committed love. It's not just well, you know, if I have time, yeah, see if it works. You know, or if I feel like it. I got a lot going on. No, this is you matter. I love you, and you're gonna know it. It's an earnest love. I want you to know my love. I don't ever want you to wonder about my love. Now, generationally speaking, I think there's been some advancements here. There was for a while a generation that just really struggled to verbalize love. I've heard so many stories from folks that that would say this. I never heard my dad say I love you. Never ever heard it. I knew it by the things that he did, but I never heard it. That is not biblical. It's not, it's not the way we want the generations to come up here in this church. We want moms and dads that are clear with their love for their children. And they're expressing it in words and showing it in deeds and, and making visible their hearts. I was blessed to grow up in a family where it was, it was almost over the top. It was, it was in written letters regularly to us as kids. And it was on display in my parents' love for one another and the way that they would sit us down. And eyeball to eyeball, do you know how much I love you? Friends, what a blessing it is to share this love among one another. This is the kind of love we're called to. It's earnest. It's not passive. It's not ho-hum. It is aggressive, earnest, impassioned, dedicated, committed, I love you no matter what. I love you from a pure heart. That's the key. That's why I titled the sermon Pure Love. This is the secret to this kind of love. The greater we grow in holiness, the more we are free to love this way the more we will be free from self and sin and inclinations of responses that would go there instead of love. Instead of love. 1 Peter 3.8 Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Note the purity of that expression of love. Look at the holiness at work In those words, humility. Look at the softness of heart. Sin hardens the heart, but the gospel softens the heart. God is the the, the God of a compassion who has a soft heart. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit. Well, that's what sin would do. That's what we would do left left to ourselves, But, but no longer, that's not who we are anymore. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Oh, my goodness, does that shine in our day. (laughs) In days of self-promotion. In days of self-love. Oh, you just need to love yourself more, brother. You don't love yourself enough. That's why you're having... Trust me. We love ourselves plenty. Even the pity party is self-love. Love your neighbor as yourself. Count others more significant, more significant than yourselves. Oh wow. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, doesn't mean that you can't deal with the the issues of your life or or seek the things that you need. No. It's just, it's don't only do that. And at Christmas time, how important is that to remember? It's It's not just about what I'm doing or what I'm going to plan or what I'm hoping for this. No, it's, it's the others, the interests of others. How is so-and-so doing? and How could we be a blessing here? What would it look like here? Christian growth in holiness unleashes Christian love. And if we could walk away with nothing else from the sermon, that would change the way we live. The way I am committed to... Growing in godliness today blesses or harms you. My love for each of you is connected to my time in the word of God and seeking to hunt and kill my sin and grow in holiness. You are blessed when I do. You are not helped when I don't. You are harmed. And it's true of all of us for one another. Christian growth and Christian love. Love is patient and kind. Look at the look at the fruits of holiness on display in these expressions of love. Think, think of the connection here now. This will change the way you read First Corinthians 13. Love is patient and kind. It's not envious or boasting. It, it, it doesn't, it's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And this points to where we're headed today. Love never ends. It's amazing how consistent the Word of God is between Paul and Peter and Jesus and John and on out to all of the pages of your Bible. This is a display of unleashed love that is founded in holiness. It's it's holiness and the pursuit of godliness that releases this kind of love. We move as we grow in the Christian life from inward to outward. This is such an important journey. One of the displays of immaturity as a believer is when I am just focused on me. When, say, I walk in on a Sunday morning and my primary question that echoes around in my head is, well, what am I going to get out of it today? Or, what about me? Or, what do I need from this morning? How, how, How will I be blessed? Who will come and talk to me? Here I am. It's about me. Friends, there are entire churches that cater to that kind of mindset. That is spiritual Immaturity, we are called out of that self focus and into love, a greater Christian maturity. It's not, it's not wrong to say, Lord, I need to be blessed today. There are things that I need. That's not wrong. But if that's all you have that bounces around in your mind when you come to church or when you um, think during the week about how you're going to choose the way you live and, and interactions and engagements. Then you're immature spiritually. There's growth to be had. That's why the next verses next week point us to that. The the true spiritual milk of God's word will release us from that self-inward focus into this. What can I give? What about you? What do you need? Instead of walking in and saying, here I am, we walk in and we say, there you are. Look at the. How are you doing? Right? The interest is outward. It's a joy-filled self-forgetfulness. As I've said before, there's a there's a I forget about me because I, I'm, I'm locked in on you. That is maturing in the Christian life. That is the unleashing of love. How can I be a blessing to you today? This is Christian maturity. This is agape expressed, the fruit of holiness. Expressions of love come in many ways, and I just want to commend you, Good Shepherd. You are a loving congregation. There are so many displays that we get to witness and that we receive as a family. Expressions of your love in this way. An email after a Sunday. I got one just this past week. Pastor, thank you for what you said. This landed in my life, and it just encouraged me. I appreciate you bringing us the Word of God. God used you. Praise you, Lord. Praise you. They didn't have to write that email, but what did it do? It, it blessed me because I knew God had worked that week in a special way. Now, I don't preach here to get emails like that. That's not why I'm up here. But when they come, it's an opportunity to praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you did. How about this? Words of encouragement among one another. These little notes, the mailboxes, create opportunity for this. You see someone and you say, man, I am so proud of God's work in their life. I see them doing this. Tell them, tell them, be earnest with your love. Point it out, encourage them. Or you see someone who's just struggling. They're having a hard time. Come up, put your arm around them and encourage them. Love, earnestly, a home-cooked meal. Some of you have experienced this more recently when you've been sick or recovering from the hospital. Some of you are, 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 Incredible in in making food that is a blessing in this way. Not me. I don't, that is not a gift. You don't want me bringing you mac and cheese. It will not, (laughs) it won't help that knee heal. But my wife, my wife blesses in that way. It is a joy to see that take place, constantly happening. Even this week, that took place in this family. God's people. Coffee, time, prayer. Someone in the church, there's only so much time on Sunday morning. How will we get more time? How are we going to connect? Hey, let's get coffee. Let's just sit down. Let's catch up. How can I be praying for you? Let's pray right here. That is love. Earnest expressions of love. A meaningful gift. We were down down in Thanksgiving uh, in Oregon, and there's a lady in the church who uh, was in a second-hand clothing store and saw something that my sister, who doesn't even live in Grand, she saw it and she thought of her. She bought it, gave it to my mom to save for her for like two months in the closet. And then my sister comes for Thanksgiving and mom's like, oh, by the way, Heidi saw this, thought of you, bought it, gave it to me, here you go. I was in awe of that. Um, And it was totally my sister. She she knew the style and how much she would love that. So a meaningful gift, a thoughtful, what is that doing? Well, I'm not just going to the secondhand store just for me anymore. And that gets dangerous, right? We could have a lot of fun with this. (laughs) You you might end up in white elephant land very easily. (laughs) It it may be memorable, but it might not be meaningful. (laughs) But earnest love, you see the focus there? It's out, it's outward a helping hand, a word of caution or a call to repentance. Let's not forget this part of love, right? We are called by Scripture to love one another in truth, with grace, yes, tender, but also in truth. So if someone begins to stray off the path of light and into the dark, it's loving to go and put an arm around him and say, oh, brother, I'm concerned about this decision of yours. Help me understand. Let's talk about this. Let's, let's consider this in light of Scripture. A word of caution, a call to repentance, an encouragement toward obedience to the Lord. That's love. That's love. If you see that someone hasn't been here for a while, it's not, it's not that you're calling and, and rebuking them for some legalistic thing. No, it's that you're, you're saying, you know, are you okay? We're worried about you. Are, are, how's your soul doing? Are you You need to be here, right? Come, come join us. These are expressions of love. The only thing I would add is uh, there, there are many, many more different displays of that, but there's also a display of love that takes place when you're on the receiving end of this kind of love. When someone does something of eager love, when they love you in an eager way, an earnest way, how will you respond? There's a moment, an opportunity in that to receive that love and express love, to say, oh my word, you thought of me in this. Thank you. Thank you. I feel loved. I very much appreciate that. And I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for pointing the way. Thank you for coming alongside and encouraging. See, when you receive this kind of love, it's also outward. Oh, wow, I can't believe you would think of me. Thank you. It's not like, well, well, yeah, that was assumed. <laughs> of, course you, of course you did that for me. It is reciprocated, right? It's a love that goes back and forth. It's like a tennis match. We're even called to outdo one another in showing honor. So it's like a competition. This can be a lot of fun in the, in the family of God. And friends, one of the things that we have heard often is that when people come into this church, they feel welcomed, they feel loved, they feel seen, noticed, engaged, loved. Let's double down on that. Keep that up. Keep it up. Now let's go to the last couple verses here. There. It's interesting how Peter kind of builds this case out. He, he, he builds out his case by bringing in the Word of God in a very interesting way. So imperishable seed and undying love. Love never ends. Undying love. Verse 23 to 25. So in a sense, let me sum it up. Love this way, since you have been born again. Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For, you see the case that he's making? For all flesh is like grass, and, and its glory, all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. You see what he's saying? First consider this. The living and abiding Word of God. His Word doesn't pass away. It is an imperishable seed. Think of this. The Word of God is as true today as it was when it was given. It will be as true 10,000 years from now as it is today. It doesn't fade. It doesn't, it doesn't get outdated. Oh, how the world would say, you silly Christians and your old ancient antiquated book how ignorant you are for sticking to a book that was written by ignorant cultures thousands of years ago (laughs) oh that's arrogant that's the assumption that there is this progression of advancement i would call it a digression friends this is truth with a capital t it's timeless it's timeless truth So why does Peter bring that in when he's talking about love? How does this play? Listen to how the Word brought you to life, Christian. God uses His Word of His own will. That's the Father's own will, not your free will. Of His will, He brought us forth, how? By the Word of truth, the Gospel, the the Word of God that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures how were you saved well i guarantee you were not saved in any way disconnected from the gospel of jesus christ no one is saved apart from jesus his work his claims his teaching his victory over the over the grave over sin death and hell and satan so you were saved in the moment that god saved you you were saved Through the powerful working of the word of truth. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing. Where does it come from? Well, it comes from God. And he gives it upon the hearing of the word of Christ. That's why we proclaim the gospel. That's what evangelism is. We, We share the word of God, the truth, the gospel. And when that word goes forth, God works. And how does he work? He works through his word. What does this have to do with love? Look at the argument that Peter places before us. He says, listen, you've been born of this kind of seed. The seed is the living and abiding, never timeless, never fading word of God. So seed equals source. And source equals nature. What he's saying is you are going to be forever just as the word of God is forever he 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 caused your 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 spiritual plant to spring forth from the word which is the seed and it is an imperishable seed imperishable seed equals undying love that's the connection he's making he's saying the love that we have right now that is growing and being unleashed As we are increasingly pursuing godliness and holiness, that love never ends. It's forever. The people sitting around you that God has saved, they are your family forever. We are together forever. Friends, this is the kind of love that we are to have now because guess what? It never ends. We're family forever. My pastor from Bible school, when we were in Chicago, we got to go to the church where Ray Pritchard was the preacher. He said this, Only two things last forever, people and the Word of God. Now that is outside of the Lord, who is, by the way, timeless and eternal. Um, two things last forever, people and the Word of God. And then he, here's the call. This is what, in a sense, Peter is calling us to here. Invest your life in, in that which will still matter 10,000 years from now. If you want to live today, being released from self is a release into love, to love the people you will share forever with. Love earnestly, because love never ends. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart, from a pure heart, and increasingly so as we walk in holiness. Pure, purer today than yesterday. Oh, by God's grace, purer tomorrow than today. Growing progressively in godliness for expressions then of love. That a year ago, I didn't have capacity for. But all of a sudden, as I'm freed from me, I see you more clearly. This is happening in our church. All kinds of displays in view. This is the call of love, pure love, that Peter gives us today. So, friends, our response today, I want to ask the question, first of all, have you experienced the love of God? This is a a big room. There's a lot of people here. I don't ever want to assume this. Have you experienced the love of God? The love of God is made manifest most clearly in the sending of His Son, Jesus Christ, he sent His Son, that's the Christmas story, to be born of a virgin, born in a, in a no-name town under the radar. No one really realized this. Only shepherds, who were the, the lowest of the low in, in society, and angels were invited to rejoice. He was born. He was raised. He never sinned, which qualified Him to do the mission that the Father had sent Him to do, which was to die on the cross, to pay for my sins, to pay for the sins of all who would trust in him. In full, it is finished, he said, when he died on the cross and gave up his spirit. And he was buried, and after three days of actually being dead, right, true, actual death, physical death, he was raised in power. The grave could not hold him. He was not a sinful man. He had victory over sin, and so he was raised in power. Over 500 people saw him and then he ascended to the right hand of the Father from where he is coming again. That is what we believe. That is the best news a sinner like me and every single person in this room could ever hear. There's hope for us. We can't earn this on our own. This love is a gift. That's why we give gifts at Christmas. It's the whole point of gift giving. God shows his love for us and that While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He wasn't like, listen, you guys are a mess. Clean yourselves up, and then we'll work something out. I'll I'll wait. You you get scrubbed up. Try to figure it out. Pull yourselves up, and then we'll talk. No. We are in full-on rebellion, loving the dark, hating him, hating the light, living for self, running to hell, and he says... I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. I save you through the powerful work of my son. We love, believers, we love because he first loved us. It's the release of love. It's the bar of love, the call of love, the way of love. All of it is sourced in the gospel. And it's my prayer today that no one would leave this room without knowing this love personally. Place your trust in Jesus. Repent of your sins. Turn from sins. Get out of the dark. Don't live stumbling in the dark any longer. Today can be a day that you experience the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. The love of God. Don't let another day go by. We love because He first loved us. The heart of Christmas is upon us. We are. We are about to, uh, in the coming days, give gifts, gather families together, all kinds of traditions and things. And I just want to just give us a chance to pause here before we go through that again. It's easy to go through the motions at Christmas. This is what we do. It's what we always do. Great. Right? we go to to get up. Kids are up early, and then we come down and barely awake. And that. stop though why am i buying gifts for those i love it's not about the present and i don't want to sound cliche but it isn't it's not kids listen it's not about the present it's not it's about the love behind the present it's about the heart okay i remember teaching our kids oh year after year opening presents Kids, make sure to say thank you. Make sure to say thank you. What is that? Well, that's an expression of gratitude for the love received, right? And it's not just a polite thing. It's, it's, it's biblical. And, oh, they struggled when they were young to remember that. I remember being like, oh, I try We remind And then it clicked, and it landed, and, and, oh, this happens all the time now in all kinds of different ways. When the kids notice expressions of love, things that we do for them, Come back with a hug, thank you, thank you. What is that? That is a heartfelt acknowledgement of love received, right? And friends, (laughs) if we teach our kids to do this, then we should do it too, all of us. This is love, this is love, not just within the family, within the church family as well, to show this kind of love for one another. Think about this. It is that kind of love that Jesus said is evangelistic. They will know that you are my disciples by the way you love one another. Think, if you want to reach the lost, love your brother in Christ. Love him like Jesus and then watch what the watching world will say. Man, what, what is that? You guys are really close. We are. We are. Let me tell you why. I think of the opportunities that unfold when we love one another like this. And we do, but all the more, right? All the more. There's an opportunity here at Christmas to show this love, both in our gatherings and just among one another throughout the next year. Think of the next year. Be purposeful, earnest in the showing of love. Let's pray. God, where would we be apart from your love? We would be lost, headed for hell, hating one another and hated by others. We would be rebels and hopeless. Yet, you chose this agape love, a love of the will, to to send your Son while we were still sinners. Undeserving, Lord, you showed us grace. You lavished this love upon us, and we say thank you. Thank you for your love. What... What a display, what a standard that we are called to. Free us, O oh God, from the sin that so clings to us, from hearts dragged down by self and sin. Set us free in holiness to love like this, to unleash this kind of love, even more so in Good Shepherd Bible Church, that this county would know that we are your disciples by the way we love one another in this week and on into this next year and then for the next 20,000 years and then on from there. Love never ends. Give us the the joy and the opportunity, the overflow, the the moments this week. Oh, Spirit, stir in our hearts this kind of love and help us then to, to act it out, to live it out, to display this kind of earnest love from a pure heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.